listeners, before diving into this episode, I just want to put out a huge trigger warning. In this episode, I will be discussing eating disorders, weight, and other mental health issues. If you are easily triggered by this, I highly suggest that you listen with caution or do not listen to this episode. I will preface every episode with this trigger warning because I will be discussing very touchy and sensitive topics that some might not be able to handle. I want everyone to feel safe in this environment and to just keep in mind that this podcast is an educational podcast meant to spread awareness on eating disorders and my journey through them. Everything mentioned in these episodes will be real, genuine content. Welcome back to Reasons for Recovery. Today, I have another big announcement. We are now at over 600 listeners, which is so awesome. Oh my gosh, (laughs) like, I am so shocked of how quick this podcast is growing and how many lives I'm connecting with and reaching out with and helping out. Um, It really makes me just beyond happy. So again, thank you so, 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 so much. Um, This is really the best feeling ever, knowing that I'm talking to over 600 people and helping them out with their struggles that they have daily. So yeah, just thank you so much. I feel like the last episode, which was like two weeks ago, I mentioned that we were at like 500 listeners or 550 listeners so this is growing really quick and I'm really really happy about that so thank you guys for all the support and for listening but besides all that I hope you guys are having a fantastic day today or whenever you may be listening to this um it has been so stress inducing for me honestly this week um I am taking some of the most headache-inducing classes this semester, and it's really been sucking to go to bed every night with massive headaches due to how much information I'm cramming into my brain. But I'm basically at this point in my college career where I'm getting into the really detailed classes, that, like the stuff that really has to do with my major. And let me tell you, meteorology is a very hard major. It's so much stress, um, and it's it's literally just math and science and even more math and even more science. I literally have four out of the five classes I'm taking this semester are math and physics-based, so it's, it's a lot to take in, um, but at least I know that learning all this stuff is for the better, and I know it's going to get me into my future career, which is what I'm mainly excited for, so... If things are mapped out right, I can actually graduate early, so hopefully by December 2022, I'll be a college graduate, which that's really exciting to think about. Um, I'm currently on the second semester of my junior year, so starting spring 2022, that semester, I'll be considered a senior, so hopefully if things work out correctly, I can graduate a semester early, so that's great. But anyway, (laughs) sorry to go off on a little story time, but speaking of story times, we are going to go ahead and dive into the context of this episode, which is what I just said, is story times. 
Now, you guys know that I like to be very interactive with my audience, and I love it when you guys can be a part of each episode somehow. Um, So I posted on uh, my Instagram, on my Instagram stories, I asked you guys to leave some story time suggestions relating to my recovery, whether it was pre-recovery or post-recovery. So a lot of people left suggestions on story times to talk about, and most of them related to before my recovery, but I got a lot of responses So, obviously, I won't be able to answer every single story time because I want to keep the length of this episode relatively short and not, like, hours long um, because I don't really want to bore you guys by talking your ears off. But if you don't hear your suggestion, like, your story time suggestion that you left, my apologies. I just basically went through and picked out the most frequently uh, requested ones and just a few that I thought would be very good to tell on this podcast. So I'm only going to tell five stories for now, so maybe I'll make a part two of this episode if I ever get around to it. Uh, But for right now, we're just going to stick with these uh, top five that I picked out of the suggestions. Some story time suggestions, like I said, were given multiple times by different people, so I picked those out, the ones that were the most requested, because I thought they'd obviously be the most interesting to talk about if people... Multiple people are requesting me to talk about it. So as you can see, today's episode will be a bit different. There isn't really any lesson to learn from this episode. It's just going to be me telling a series of stories that happened in my life during my eating disorder journey um, that were left by my viewers. So let's get on into it. So the first story time suggestion, this one was left by quite a few people. I think this was the most requested one. And that was to talk about when I finally decided to get help with my anorexia. Now, I told this story before in the first episode. I didn't really go into great detail, though. I just sort of vaguely mentioned how, you know, that started. I didn't really give a whole story time on it. So I'll give more details for those of you who wanted the full story time. So, the day was February 24th of 2020. I was at the peak of my anorexia at this point. I only weighed, I think, about like 81 to 82 pounds. And at this point, I could really start to feel myself like slowly deteriorating. And I've mentioned this a lot in previous episodes. Like, the days were starting to become so much harder to live and Every step that I took was just like an absolute chore for me. Like it was just so hard to live at this point. And at this time, I was working a pretty strenuous job as a baker at a local coffee shop. And on this day in particular, I had the morning shift, which was like at 5 a.m. I typically was the baker that would come in in the morning. We would have a morning baker and an afternoon baker. And For the most part, I was the morning baker, so I had extremely long early morning shifts that were very, very strenuous for someone that has my body. So I went into work that morning like usual, but things that day just started to feel so much different. Taking steps throughout the day, like in the kitchen, it started to become very, very difficult, like increasingly throughout the shift, and 
uh, bending down and picking things up or like reaching up to get ingredients, like anything of that nature. It was such a hard task. And that's a really, really big sign there. If it, it become if it becomes really hard for you to just walk around or just to simply bend over, that's a very bad sign. Um, but I barely made it through the day. And I was so happy when I finally got that over with and got my shift done, which was around 12 noon that day. So I left work feeling much more exhausted than usual. And I remember texting my mom that day and telling her that I felt super terrible and like extremely weak and she had already been way beyond worried for me at this point like she had already been like telling me I need to get help and like telling me what I'm doing is not okay like both of my parents were very very worried for me at this point but I had already told you guys in the past I was in this stage of constant denial and I didn't want recovery so Anytime anybody ever mentioned to me that I needed to get help, I would deny it and I would just like scream in their face and tell them I didn't need it, I didn't want it, um, and that I was completely fine. But in reality, I wasn't completely fine. I definitely needed help. (laughs) So I remember she told me that I needed to go eat something really, really good, like McDonald's. She said that I I needed it and that it was good for me and she told me that I never eat good food and McDonald's is good food and she says that I needed to try eating that. So at this point, I was sort of arguing with her because as I suffered from anorexia, I was extremely irritable, had a very, very bad temper, and I yelled at anything that didn't come in agreement with me. So I told my mom that I wasn't in danger and that I was fine, but she told me that I wasn't and both she and I knew that I wasn't like I I knew I wasn't okay but I didn't want to accept that so I just kept denying that everything was wrong and that I was completely fine so finally after arguing with her about that I was like you know what fine I'm gonna show you that I can eat literally anything and that I'm not in denial, and that everything is okay. Like, I just really wanted to prove my mom right at this point, because an eating disorder makes you very, very selfish and prideful, so I wanted to prove her wrong in this situation. So I went to McDonald's, and I got a six-piece chicken nugget meal, (laughs) and I only really did this to prove my mom wrong, like I said, uh, and to prove to her that I could eat anything without a problem. But when I got home with the food, I put it out in front of me and it instantly hit me, like all of a sudden that I had to actually eat this. And if I was really going to prove my mom wrong, I had to eat it. I couldn't throw it away. I couldn't pretend to eat it. No, I I had to actually eat it. So I ate the chicken nuggets for the first time in my whole college career. I don't think I had eaten chicken nuggets in a very, very long time. I think the last time I had ever eaten any sort of fried food in general, I was probably like 16. And at this point in my life, I was 19. So it had been a very long time. (laughs) And yeah, it was, it was very different to eat something I'd been avoiding for so long, but I ate every bit of the food that I had gotten from McDonald's. And I remember I sent a picture of my empty plate to my mom and her reply was, of course, like, did you throw it away or did you really eat it? 
And to which I replied, like, no, I didn't throw it away. And I proved to her the best I could that I actually ate the chicken because I really did eat that chicken. As much as I really didn't want to, I ate it because I had one goal in my mind and it was to prove my mom wrong. So after I ate that McDonald's, not even five minutes went by and I found myself like profusely crying, like to the point where I was basically like screaming, like wailing, crying because I was so overwhelmed with emotions and at the fact that I had just eaten a food that I was terrified of. And my instant thought was that I needed to go work this out somehow. Like I needed to go work it off. I needed to go burn the calories off somehow. But I had class literally right after work. So I had no time to go do this. Like I ate and had to go straight to class. So I went to class crying (laughs) and panicking because I wanted that food out of me so bad. And I instantly regretted eating that food. And I was so enthralled in my eating disorder that I just... All I kept hearing was, you're going to get so fat from this. You're hurting yourself by doing this. Like, that food wasn't good for you. And I just couldn't focus on my class because of that. Like, through the entire lecture, that's all I could think about. And I was texting my mom the whole time, telling her how I was feeling. And she was kind of on the edge of what I should do. Because, you know, She's never had to deal with helping somebody with an eating disorder, so when your own daughter comes up to you panicking that she thinks she's about to die, it kind of makes you stop in your tracks and become clueless on what you should do. So, at that point, in the middle of class, I just realized that something wasn't right. It finally just hit me, all of a sudden, and I realized I needed help, and I I knew I couldn't do it on my own. I had to actually get, like, medical professional help. Like, this wasn't something that I could pretend to fix on my own. I actually needed to reach out, and I actually needed to call somebody and tell them that I need help. So, like I said, it finally hit me that normal people don't cry and panic over food. Normal people don't cry that they just ate McDonald's. Normal people don't instantly think, man, I gotta go work out to get this calories out of my body, get this meal off that I just ate. And that right there is what really woke me up because, like, I I just wanted to be a, a normal person and I felt like I wasn't normal in that moment. And it was like a switch flipped in my brain and all of a sudden I was no longer in denial and I completely just realized I needed help. I was no longer denying what everybody said. I was finally agreeing with them that I needed to get medical help and seek professional help on this. So I got through class that day and I called a doctor friend of ours, um, like right as I got out of class. She's just like a family friend that we met through church or something, I think. But I called her and she told me that I needed to go get blood work done like as soon as possible and she was not joking around like she very sternly told me you need to go get this blood work done right now and I remember telling her like okay I'll do it tomorrow because at this point it was like eight o'clock at night like it was getting pretty late and she sternly told me no you need to go right now and she was not playing around and I knew that coming from a doctor the tone of her voice it was 
pretty serious. So that's when I drove all the way to the ER at like nine o'clock at night um, and got all my blood work done. And of course, who would have thought <laughs> literally everything that could be wrong with me was wrong with me. And that's when I realized that this wasn't some tiny little worrying issue that I had. This was like extremely serious and possibly deadly. And that's when I knew I needed a change in my life. So I sought recovery after that ER visit. Okay, so the next highly requested story time was to talk about the time that I found out that I was weight restored. So this one is honestly not <laughs> as exciting as I wish it would be, but it's still kind of a, a sweet story. And of course, I don't mind sharing it. Um, so I became weight restored uh, July 24th of 2020. So it's been a little over a year now. Um, but now keep in mind that this is not when I reached complete physical recovery. I was still experiencing a lot of health problems at this time, but on this day I was considered weight restored. But I remember, uh, yeah, like I said, it was summer of 2020. It, I was not doing much uh, that summer because we were in the height of the pandemic, so everybody was locked in their home basically, so couldn't really go anywhere, couldn't really do anything, but I also was on like a strict no exercise watch during this time since it was very imperative that I gained weight first before I started exercising again. So most of my summer was either spent working, I worked at Subway at the time, so most of my time during the summer was uh, working or I was hanging around my mom. And um, my mom was actually the children's minister at her church during this time. And most days during the summer, I would just go up to the church with her and chill in her office to pass the time during the days that I didn't work. And I was doing summer classes at this time as well. So I would just like, you know, sit in her office and do my classes to pass the time and to get things done. So that's what I did for the most of my summer. And it wasn't a lot because I wasn't really allowed to do a lot and we couldn't really do much anyway to begin with. But anyway, in a room right next to her office was this other big room dedicated to her church's food pantry. Now, if you don't know what a food pantry is, it's basically like this thing where you can go to a place and pick up food for free. It's basically like a free uh, food service for those that need it and her church had that so in this food pantry there was a huge like industrial size scale where you could like weigh the meat and other food products that were going out and being given away so it was like extremely accurate it wasn't like some bathroom scale it was like a very very precise accurate scale and I remember I had weighed myself quite frequently on it throughout the summer to keep up with my progress and I remember telling my mom on this certain day that I felt like I was weight restored like I, I felt like I was getting pretty close at least and she was like all right well go step on the scale so we went in there and I stepped on the scale and of course when I got on the scale it told me that I was one pound over my weight restoration goal and I remember feeling super excited about that, but also like a little bit of guilt at the same time. 
because, you know, we've talked about this before. When you're in recovery, you obviously will feel tons of guilt when you learn that you've gained weight. But you'll know that it's all worth it in the end. But anyways, my excitement basically overcame my guilt, uh, which is a very good thing. And I remember running to my mom and telling her, like, I'm weight restored, I'm weight restored. And she was, like, extremely proud of me, said good job, you know. And after I told my mom, I remember texting, like, every single person that was close to me and, like, following my journey. I texted, like, all of my close friends, my boyfriend at the time, all of my immediate family, um, and they, of course, all had, like, pretty positive things to say, so I just felt so happy being surrounded by all the love that these people were giving me. And I also posted it, like, all over social media because I was just, like, so proud of myself and happy that I actually did something right and that I was doing something good in recovery and I was one step closer to living a normal and healthier lifestyle. So now for the third story time, I had one request in particular from a good friend of mine to talk about how my eating disorder affected my faith and what it taught me along the way. So for those of you who are unaware, don't think I've ever mentioned it, I am a Christian and I wholeheartedly believe in my faith and practice my faith and I make sure to show it to others every day. And I believe it is my duty as a Christian to love everyone and show my love in any way possible. But of course, when I was suffering from an eating disorder, that was tested very, very often. When I started to hit the peak of my anorexia, I talked about how my mood had completely changed, you know? It went from being very caring to not caring at all, nice to rude, and compassionate to practically heartless because eating disorders rewire the way that you think and they make you into a person that you're not and make you somebody you don't even recognize and this heavily affected my faith. So like I said, eating disorders make you think differently and they make you look at things in a whole new perspective and that perspective isn't good. It's not good at all and Things that were part of my daily life suddenly became an obstacle to me. Basically, the things that I was passionate about or the things that I loved to do, um, I stopped doing them because they were blocking the way of my eating disorder and my eating disorder wanted to take over. So obviously it had to get all those things out of my mind. So when an eating disorder takes over, happiness really isn't even a thing anymore <laughs> and it just doesn't exist so because all of those things that made me happy were blocked out by my eating disorder uh, that meant my faith was something that got tested a lot it was something that was blocking the way of thinking about my eating disorder so it became something that wasn't really important to me anymore and I'm, I'm very ashamed to say that I'm ashamed to say that I even felt this way in my life, but it's all part of my journey and all part of who God created me to be to this day. And I uh, remember I stopped going to church. I stopped reading my Bible. I never really prayed like at all. And that's because it was really just all about my eating disorder at this point. It was 
all my eating disorder just taking away my happiness one by one. It was the only thing I ever really thought about, so faith and other things that I really should have been focusing on, they were all wiped away. They weren't something I was, you know, obsessed with anymore. I was now obsessed with food and working out and being skinny and everything that I really needed to love and really needed to focus on, that just wasn't really a thing anymore. And because of this, things only got worse and worse, as you can imagine, and as my health steadily declined, both physically and mentally, you know, that just added on to the worst factor of this. This continued on until February of 2020, where, of course, we all know I had a very, very close brush with death, and it completely woke me up from this trance that I was in for so long, and it made me realize that I was diluting all of these things in my life that made me really happy. I feel like my near-death situation was like a call from God saying, hey, you need to wake up and you need to realize what you're doing. Because it made me realize I had not been doing anything that made me happy in months. And it made me understand that I had been pushing off my faith for a very long time, and if I didn't push it off, I probably wouldn't have been in that situation. So after that point, I finally rekindled my faith in my relationship with God, and things were so much easier from then on out. And I put a lot of trust in the Lord, and it really kept me strong throughout my recovery. And I still keep a strong trust with him to this day because I want to be able to succeed and be happy in life and be able to have a loving relationship with him. And rekindling my faith, it really helped me learn that I shouldn't be pushing away the things that make me happy because they help me get through my life and they help strengthen me to be a better person. So I... Like I said, I realized that near-death experience just kind of woke me up. It kind of made me aware of what I had been doing all this time. So now for my fourth story, I had someone request that I talk about the story of the night that I went to the ER for the first time to get help. So I also touched on this a little bit in the first episode, but again, I didn't really go into detail, so... We already know that I went to the ER February 24th of 2020. We mentioned that a couple of stories back. Um, But this is the night that I realized that I needed help desperately. So when I went to the ER, I really didn't know what to do or like what to say, what to tell them. That family friend that I had been talking to beforehand, she told me, like, hey, I called the ER that you're going to in advance uh, so they know you're coming in. So I was under the impression that they knew I was going to be there when I arrived. Uh, So I walked in and I was like, hey, my friend called and said that I'd be coming in. Like I gave her the name and everything and all the doctors looked like super confused (laughs) and had no idea what I was talking about. And I kept saying my friend's name over and over again and they were like, okay, like, what do you want us to do about that? So apparently there was like a miscommunication or something because they did not know who I was and they never got a call from my friend saying that I was coming in. So um, they were just like, 
okay, just go sit down or something. <laughs> so I went and sat down in the waiting room for a while. And then I was taken back to a room where the first thing they did was told me to pee in a cup, of course. Uh, so I did that. And when I was done, I sat in the room with this nurse. And basically, she just asked me a bunch of questions on why I was there. And I told her, you know, like, I was very obviously anorexic and I just needed some help. I told her that my doctor friend suggested that I come in and get some blood work done. So then the nurse took my blood, a lot of it, like three tubes worth of blood. And they also uh, took my my pulse or my heart rate or whatever. Um, And she, of course, like every other doctor was... She was in shock when she saw how low my heart rate was. And she was like, hmm, okay, this can't be right. And I was like, okay, what do you mean? Like, I started to get a little bit worried. And she was like, yeah, your heart rate is, like, not a safe beats per minute, like, at all. And it's also severely irregular. And I was like, yeah, it's been like that for a long time, and I've just been ignoring it. Like, I literally told her that, and she looked at me dead in the face, and she was like, you are stupid. Why did you do that? (laughs) Because, you know, I knew I was sick. I just didn't want to admit that I was sick, and I, I was in denial that anything was wrong with me, so I always, like, pushed it off. Like, I knew I had a low heart rate, and I knew my heart rhythm was, like, irregular, but I never did anything about it because I was in denial the whole time. So, yeah, she told me that my heart rate was, like, really, really not safe at all. Um, She then asked me when my last period was, which I'm pretty sure that's, like, protocol for every female patient that comes in. And I was like, well, it's been a very long time, like, over a year. And then, of course, that's when she was like, oh, are you pregnant? (laughs) Which I shot down super quick because I was and I still am a virgin innocent girl. So I definitely was not pregnant. And I got asked this a lot actually throughout all the times I had been to the doctor. Every time I had been admitted into the ER or have went to like a doctor's visit um, up until the point where I finally regained my period... Every time they asked me, like, when was your last period, I would always say, like, oh, it's been a year or it's been two years. And they would always be like, are you sure you're not pregnant? <laughs> and I would always have to go into explanation, like, no, 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 uh, I'm recovering from anorexia and I haven't gotten my period back yet. So, like, that's why I don't have one. And, like, it's just so hard to explain. Like, every single time I got to do the same thing over and over. But anyways... After those questions and tests, I had to wait a few hours for the results to come back. Keep in mind, I was alone when this happened. I was, like, almost three hours away from home, so I had, like, no one with me. But since my parents were, like, keeping up with all of this going on, my dad actually drove all the way to the ER just to sit with me through everything. So I actually wasn't alone for some of the time. Um... But later on, another doctor came in, and she had this huge packet of results from my blood work. And she was like, yeah, I'm just going to tell you right now, all of this is bad. Like, there's nothing good to tell you in this packet. (laughs) And then she went on this extremely long lecture about 
what everything meant in my results. Um, she mentioned how my kidneys and my liver were very close to failure, uh, how my heart and my lungs were surviving off basically nothing, and my reproductive system was shut down, which explained my prolonged absent period and all of the necessary vitamin levels that I needed to survive were not sufficient enough. I was iron deficient, folic acid deficient, uh, and a bunch of other stuff, but I obviously won't go into detail on that because that's just a lot to mention because I'm telling you that packet was like 20 pages long, so it was a lot of, of information. And also my P-test came back with rare bacteria, so <laughs> I wasn't doing great at all. Everything was wrong with me, and the doctor made it very, very clear that she was very glad that I had decided to come in, because if I gave it, like, another week, it wouldn't have been very good news. It would have been much worse, and I possibly wouldn't have survived the outcome of that. And in that instant, I realized, like, how severe the situation was, and how I was very grateful that I decided to show up to the ER, because if I had waited any longer... It would have been too late, and after that doctor went through the packet and stuff, she gave me a paper with the next day's date written on it and a time, and she told me to come back during that time for a psychiatric evaluation, and <laughs> it was so funny. Like, this shows how much of a goody-goody I used to be, um, but <laughs> she showed me the time, and I realized I had a class during that time the next day, and I was like, oh, oh, I can't, I can't make that time. Can we do a different time? I have class during that. And she was like, like, she looked me dead in the eyes and she was like, too bad. You're going to go to that appointment. You're just going to have to tell your teacher you can't go to class. And <laughs> I, I was like, so worried because I was such a goody goody back then. And I still kind of am today, but not as much. But like, I never skipped a class. I never missed a class for any reason. And having to skip a class to go to a psychiatric evaluation that terrified me because I was so scared I was going to miss information and miss all this different stuff that I wouldn't be able to catch up on but everything ended up working out fine so it was all for a good reason my teachers actually ended up being extremely supportive in the whole situation like I ended up going through the dean of students in the school and stuff and they all informed all of my teachers on what my situation was and what I was going through. So all of them were like extremely nice about it. So I was able to catch up on classes like really easily. And uh, so yeah, it all worked out and it all ended up being great. And I went to the psychiatric appointment the next day and we already know the story from there. I was admitted into the hospital after that. So yeah. So the last story that I have to tell was suggested by a longtime listener, actually, and they said to tell a story about a sweet moment that I had during my recovery. Now, even though I always preach that recovery is like extremely rough and very, very difficult to go through, there were so many very sweet moments that I experienced through recovery, and one of them in particular really does stick out to me and I still think about it to this day so I definitely want to share it with you guys. Now I was actually talking about this with my boyfriend the other day. We were discussing the topics of what this episode was going to be about and he actually suggested 
that I tell this exact story that I'm about to tell. So it's coincidental that I had a listener suggest the same topic. So this is for both the listener and my boyfriend. So yeah. Um, But anyways, the sweetest moment I ever had in my recovery would definitely be the time that my brother took me to IHOP to try their new cereal pancakes. Now, to give you like a backstory to this story, after I came out of the hospital, I went back to school just like normal, and every day for like the first few weeks that I was back in school, my entire family would call me. And this was like both of my parents and my brother and sister, and even my niece, who was barely one years old at the time, so (laughs) she was even there as well. They all gathered on the phone and they just kind of wanted to, you know, talk with me and chat with me, see what every day was like for me, uh, to make sure I was being acclimated uh, back into school after everything that had been going on. But one of the days that they called, I had mentioned to them that I saw that IHOP had these new cereal pancakes and that I really, really wanted to try them. Um, And my brother instantly was like, okay, next time you're home, we're going to go do that. And that made me really, really happy because, one, if you don't know me, IHOP is, like, my favorite breakfast place to go. And it's such a shame because all of the IHOPs near me, like, have closed down. Uh, So I never get to go as much as I used to. But it's, like, my absolute favorite place to go for breakfast out of, like, all the chain places. And that's just my personal opinion. So if you don't like that, too bad. Because <laughs> I know all you people like Waffle House and Huddle House and stuff. But IHOP is, that's my thing. I love IHOP. Um, but anyway, that was one of the reasons. And also because my brother and I, at this time, we didn't really hang out as much. And that was something that I was really looking forward to. We were both like out living our own separate lives by this point. I was of course, almost three hours away in college, and he has a wife and kids to tend to, so it's very, very hard to hang out with him since we're constantly away from each other and living our own separate lives. But that weekend following the phone call, I went home, and my brother took me out to IHOP. Now, he did this, obviously, as like a congratulations on starting my recovery, but he also did this because he really wanted to kind of gain a perspective of how the mind of a person with an eating disorder works. He kind of wanted to gain more information on what I was really thinking every single day as someone who struggles with anorexia. And when we went to IHOP, we ordered those pancakes. I got the cinnamon toast crunch ones and my brother got the Captain Crunch ones, I'm pretty sure because that's his, like, childhood favorite cereal. But while we were waiting for our food, my brother first, of course, congratulated me for being so bold on starting recovery. Then he started asking just a long series of questions, just honestly trying to just gain a good idea of what it's like to have an eating disorder. Like I said, he didn't really understand the concept, really, so that's why he was trying to kind of see what I dealt with on a daily basis and what my mind really goes through every day. I remember he asked me exactly, like I said, what goes on in my brain and how it tells me, you know, food isn't good, don't eat this food, fear this food, stuff like that. And I remember he also asked me, like, 
how do you think you did you get to this point how do you think you got here how did your eating disorder develop and start and stuff like that so stuff along that line just a bunch of series of questions like I said just trying to understand more what I'm going through and I tried to answer these to the best of my ability and of course he asked a lot more than what I mentioned but I can't remember everything that he asked Um, but I just remember he like I said he was trying to be very understanding and trying to gain better knowledge on the issue and he did it in the best way possible too which I respect him a lot for you know usually I mentioned I don't know how many episodes ago, but I talked about, you know, how to really approach somebody and talk to somebody that has an eating disorder. And, you know, it could go a number of ways when people approach you and talk to you about this stuff. But he did the exact, like, right thing to do to talk to someone who has an eating disorder. He was very respectful and he was just honestly trying to you know, gain knowledge on the subject. So I respect him a lot for doing it that way. But anyways, by this time, our pancakes had come out. Obviously, they were friggin' bomb. (laughs) And I still have, like, a picture on my phone to this day of what they looked like. I have, like, a folder in my uh, photos on my phone, actually, where I took pictures of basically everything I ate in eating disorder recovery, uh, or at least the highlights of everything that I ate, uh, because I just like to look back and cherish those moments of times when I really, really enjoyed the food and really loved having that experience, and that was one of the pictures in that folder, is these pancakes that we ate together. But I remember taking that first bite of the pancakes and not feeling guilty for one second which was extremely surprising to me. I think that mainly I was thinking that way because, one, I was with somebody very supportive and understanding, and two, I had, like, just started recovery, and I was very determined that I was going to love food and actually enjoy it. So I I felt really comfortable and didn't really have any reason to panic over my food. I didn't eat the whole thing, but I remember what I did eat tasted really, really good. And that was one of the first times that I can remember actually, like, enjoying my food and feeling good about it afterwards. When we got done, I remember we left and, like, on the car ride home, just, like, reminiscing about our childhood and things that we did growing up. It was a very sweet moment that I definitely cherish because I feel like it brought my brother and I much closer together. And it was also one of the first, like, sweet gestures that I was offered once I got out of the hospital. My brother has a very, very sweet and kind soul, and I know that he would do, like, anything for anyone, basically. And I hate that I took that for granted up until this point when he took me out to IHOP. Because, like I said, throughout this whole episode, my eating disorder made me somebody that I wasn't. It made me think in ways that I usually don't think and I didn't appreciate anything at all and didn't bother making any efforts to be around my friends or my family and I hate that that happened but obviously that's just whole that's the whole part of the journey and all part of the process and I just felt like you know 
when I did suffer from an eating disorder, life was meaningless and had no point. And I really hate that an eating disorder can do that to you. But moments like this uh, with my brother, that just made me understand things so much more and made me feel like there is a reason, there is a purpose, because there are people out there that will do stuff like this. They'll take you out and they'll buy you food or they'll just take you out to get your mind off things and it just makes you gain so much more perspective in life and makes you a much happier person. But with that being said, that's actually all the stories that I have today for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope that this kind of gave you a perspective on my life pre and post recovery. I just wanted to do like a little story time episode because it actually has been requested by a few people and it's actually something I really enjoy doing and I do know that like story time podcasts or things along this line um they're actually pretty popular in the podcast world so I just wanted to give it a try and see how it does so I know a lot of people besides me enjoy just sitting down and hearing somebody talk and tell stories so yeah uh that's what this really was I did mention like a few episodes ago actually that once I had gotten to the point where I'm ready to like start winding down the podcast that I would just make episodes about specific stories from my life with an eating disorder and that's still gonna happen soon don't worry and also this is not that episode (laughs) that's like a very long time from now Also, don't think that I told these stories and now there's no stories possible left to tell in the future because there definitely is. I still experience a lot of memorable moments to this day because I, even though like I am weight restored and physically restored, we talked about a lot in past episodes that I'm never going to be really mentally restored. So every day I'm still basically living in recovery So I still have many, many stories that I could tell in the future. And once it does get to that point of the podcast where I'm going to have to start winding things down and ending it, I'll tell those stories and I'll share my experiences with them. But anyways, I just wanted to say thank you all for listening today. And I just hope that it was enjoyable for you and gave you some insight of my life I like switching things up every so often where the podcast doesn't seem so monotonous, you know. I I don't really want every single episode to be, like, a hard life lesson. (laughs) I want everything, every episode to be enjoyable. Some of them mainly being about, like, life lessons through an eating disorder, but also every now and then switching things up and doing stuff like this where I'm just talking and sharing stories with you. So that's what this really is. Also, I just wanted to say that if you would like to talk about anything eating disorder related, if you're starting recovery or if you're struggling to start recovery or you feel like you may be relapsing or literally anything else along those lines, feel free to contact me. I am always here to talk. I'm always open no matter what. My Instagram will actually be left in the description of this episode for you to DM me. So feel free to do that literally whenever you want. I have people that have like DM'd me at three in the morning and I respond. So um, yeah, if you also don't have Instagram, my email is down there as well. Use that to your advantage because I'm, I'm definitely here 
to listen to what you have to say, no matter what the circumstances are. So Instagram or my email, both down in the description for you to use. If you feel like you are in need of professional care, though, or you know somebody else who does, there are multiple hotlines in the description for you to use. Also, a few helpful websites to kind of get you educated uh, for how you can reach out for more help. Also, I still have the Hurricane Relief Fund listed in the description that I mentioned from the last episode. So if you feel led to donate to those who have been suffering from Hurricane Ida recently, please do. That link will be in the description as well. And of course, anything, literally anything, even a dollar will help. So if you, again, you feel led to donate, go ahead and do that. But with that being said, guys, that's all I have for this episode. I hope you all have an amazing day or an amazing week whenever you may be listening to this. And please remember to stay safe and healthy.